0: Welcome to the campfire. Every month I'll be here to bring you a new tale of terror, of horror, of the things that creep and crawl in the night. So join me as we descend into the things our minds dare not think of. Content Warning Violence. Tonight's story is one I had planned for a number of years. After I published my first anthology, I was ready to do another. Time got away from me, and I didn't get around to it. When I started this podcast, I found the story notes and decided to give it another go. In this tale, Randy and Joel are wannabe gang members who find more than they bargained for while trying to impress a local crew. Please enjoy. The Idol The afternoon sun beat down between the skyscrapers that lined the street in an almost perfect grid-like pattern. Even the sidewalk burned under the blazing eye in the sky. Hundreds of people passed one another in a constant stream of coming and going. The clamor made it almost impossible to discern what any of them were saying. In the midst of the pedestrian flow, Randy and Joel quickly made their way along the sidewalk, heads swiveling left and right in erratic patterns. The pair slinked out of the crowd into a nearby alley. Still looking over their shoulders, they huddled near a gate that barely did much to protect the back door to the building it guarded. Panting, Joel and Randy knelt down and tried to catch their breath. They looked at one another and traded smiles. I can't believe it huffed Randy. Joel nodded and grinned wider. Randy took one last big breath before his heart stopped racing. There's no way they'll ignore us now, and he pulled out his phone, anticipating a communication. He knew it would be some time, since they'd only left a half hour ago, and they likely wouldn't catch Wise just yet. Much to his surprise, the phone buzzed ten minutes later. The docks, 3 p.m., read the message. The sender was unknown. Randy was barely able to put the phone away, his hands were shaking so hard. He exchanged looks with Joel. They were about to head to the big leagues. Now they just had two hours to kill. Randy and Joel got up from their crouch and headed down another alley to their right. The crowds were thinner out this way, and they headed east towards their hideout. They'd only walked a few blocks before they came upon an old man walking toward them. They stopped for a moment and looked at one another. Looking around, they saw very few people. This was the perfect chance to get a little more practice in before the big meeting. Joel took the lead, pushing forward with increased speed before plowing the old man over. Randy sprung upon him quickly, hands reaching into pockets. From one, he produced a wallet with many bills in it. He rifled through it, looking for credit cards. But all that fell out of the wallet was a business card. He had bent down to pick it up when the old man's hand shot out at him, grabbing him on the arm with surprising tightness. Randy felt a shock of fear as he looked into the man's eyes. They met, and the old man held a look of wide-eyed anger upon Randy. In that moment, a strange feeling came over Randy, The old man was... It was short-lived as Joel threw a fist into the man's face. Randy grabbed up the business card, stuffed it in his pocket, and the two ran off. Back at their hovel, Joel flumped down onto a couch, which itself was in an absolute wreck. All around them were debris, bottles and cans, and graffiti on the walls. It was only much of a home as it had a roof over its head. Randy set himself down at a rickety table marked with stains, one leg broken and propped up with moldy books. He took out the wallet and spread the gains from it across the tabletop. He counted out $300 in 20s and placed them in a haphazard stack to the side. The rest of the wallet was empty, and Randy tossed it behind him. It flew and landed on the floor with a flop. Well, at least we got some money out of that, he said. I'm surprised he didn't have anything more on him. He and Joel sat for a while, and in no time, Randy's phone blared out an alarm. It was time to go to the docks. 3 p.m. was only 15 minutes away when they arrived at the docks. Around them floated boats of varying size and shape. At the far end was a pier, with no boats around it, and giant warehouses sitting opposite them. The docks were usually bustling with activity, but today they were oddly quiet. A small handful of people dotted the wooden piers, mostly tending to the boats near them. Randy and Joel looked around, but didn't see anyone of particular import, certainly no one they should be meeting here. Before they could even get a word out to one another, a sound, like gunshots, fired in a small room, blasted the air around them. The steady thrum of engines took over and eventually stopped. Randy and Joel looked over towards the stairs leading down from the street. Descending them were several individuals clad in leather and denim. Five people walked onto the pier and stood in front of Randy and Joel. Each of them had leather vests adorned in spikes and patches. Leading the group was a man no more than four and a half feet high, but the air around him was palpable. Being in his presence, Randy and Joel felt their bodies standing at attention. They stiffened up, afraid that any movement would be considered offensive and result in extremely unpleasant times. The leader of the group sized Randy and Joel up and down and sneered. Safe to assume you're the two who tagged our home? Out of the leader's mouth came a voice that sounded like a punch to the gut. Randy and Joel had to restrain themselves from collapsing under the sheer power behind this person before them. They nodded, awed. And you both think you have what it takes to ride with us. That, or you've got a death wish, sneered the leader. Joel turned to Randy, who sputtered and choked out a response. We're we're looking to join you, Randy said. His confidence was shaken, so he tried to sound tougher. We want a chance to prove ourselves. We're ready for your crew. Anything you can throw at us, we can handle. The leader chuckled, and Randy fell silent immediately. The leader stared Randy down, making him feel even smaller than the diminutive man before him was. If that's the case, you'll have to prove yourself before we'll consider accepting you. Your little stunt was good enough to get you the attention you so badly wanted, But we're going to need something much bigger if you intend to roll with us. It turned to the other four figures, and hushed discussion went between them. When it subsided, the leader turned back to the duo. In order to join us, you will need to steal something of great value. Bring it back to us. If you can do that, we'll think about your membership. Before Randy and Joel could respond, the figures had turned around and disappeared up the stairs those same gunshots fired off again, and the crew vanished amidst a cacophony of exhaust blasts and engine hums. As the sounds faded into the distance, Randy and Joel finally found their footing, shaking off the fear they'd felt just now. Gathering themselves, they headed back to their home. Joel sat on the couch watching as Randy paced around the room. For the last three hours, they tried to decide where and what they would attempt to steal. Neither could agree, and it was the cause of the friction permeating the air. Frustrated, Randy slammed open the front door and stepped outside. The sun was slowly setting, bathing the city in an orange glow. He stretched and stared off into the distance. Down the street, a few people straggled from one another. Across from him was the freeway leading out of the city, across the water. He could just make out the point where the land ended and the water began. The neighborhood was a complete wreck. Walls everywhere tagged with graffiti, trash all around, buildings in dire need of repair. If we can get into that crew, maybe we'll have a chance to move out of here, he thought to himself. This will be our opportunity to improve everything. We just need one big score. He went back inside, and Joel had risen from the couch and was sitting at the table, cell phone in hand. On hearing Randy open the door and walk into the room, he held out the phone so Randy could see it. Randy walked over and looked at what Joel was showing him. On the screen was an address and a picture of a local business. A pawn shop known in the area as having some fairly pricey items. It would be a huge gamble since the owner was able to put in expensive security systems. He could afford to after all. It was quickly turning dark as dusk settled in. Randy and Joel slunk through the streets and alleyways. They moved quickly and quietly, avoiding the streets they knew people would frequent. They turned a corner and found themselves behind at the pawn shop. Joel stood by the back door while Randy crept towards the front. The two of them surveyed the front and back and met around the back of the store after a few minutes. Randy motioned to Joel, who quickly opened a duffel bag they had brought with them. Out from the bag, Joel produced a crude glass-cutting tool, a can of oil, and a suction cup. They moved to the front of the store and looked around them carefully. When all was clear, Joel smeared oil in a circle on the window and placed the suction cup in the middle. Randy carefully cut along the trails while Joel went back to standing watch. The slice of window came out gently and easily, and Randy, despite being himself, placed it gently on the sidewalk. He stepped through the hole in the window while Joel stayed outside as a guard. Only a few overhead lights were still on, the majority of them off as the store had closed a few hours ago. Around Randy sat shelf after shelf, filled with all kinds of wares, a shelf of hookahs, a whole section of electronics, and further at the back were the items fetching a larger price tag than anything else in the store. Randy ran his hands along a mask inlaid with green jewels, painted in a terrifying grimace. Next to it was an ornate clock that seemed to be layered in gold. He marveled at the items in front of him, some he could only guess as to their function or use. He had just barely laid his hands on a crystal vase when he heard a distinct, heavy clicking behind him. Standing in the gloom was a man holding a shotgun, and it was aimed right at Randy's face. Randy froze and stared down the man, It was the shop owner. The two locked eyes and Randy turned around to face him completely. The store manager spoke. A bit late for shopping, don't you think? He held the gun firmly on Randy, who did everything he could to shove down the fear welling within him looking into that barrel. He took a small step to the left, and the gun moved with him. Inch by inch, Randy stepped away from the man, moving towards the hole in the window. Look, I'll just... I'll leave you be. Just don't shoot. The words shook out of his mouth, and the man with the gun smiled. Remember this the next time you think you'll just come in here and take what isn't yours, he shot back. One day, you'll run out of luck, and you won't like the consequences. With that advice hanging in the air, Randy slipped back out of the store where Joel was waiting for him. Joel raised an eye, and Randy's shoulders slumped. The bastard was in there. If we try again, it'll be a dead end. Literally. The two of them walked wearily back home. Their big chance was totally ruined. As they walked, the moon hung high in the sky, casting a pale blue where the light could reach. They sat down in defeat, grim looks upon their faces. Well, what are we going to do now? He asked to no one. Joel placed a hand on his shoulder and Randy's side. He thrust his hands into his pockets and had to start as his right hand slid along the business card he'd put in there hours ago. His hand wrapped around it and Randy pulled the card out to look at it. The card itself was a pure white with spirited antiques emblazoned on the front in thick, dark lettering. Beneath it were the old man's name, address, and contact information, and smaller but no less different black lettering. Randy looked at Joel. What do you think? Joel nodded approvingly, and Randy opened a GPS app on his phone and entered the address from the card. There was a subway a few blocks down that would take them closest to the shop. Hastily, they made their way down to the train and boarded. When they got off and headed street level, they found themselves surrounded by fewer buildings than before. This area of the city was less dense, seemingly in the middle between their poverty-stricken neighborhood and the more affluent areas on the outskirts. As they walked around, they couldn't help but marvel at the houses around here. Many seemed small and modest, but they both knew they came with a price tag that was, at least for now, well out of their reach. They each had their own uniqueness that clashed with the similarities they shared with the other houses. The sidewalks were clean and even, stretching across entire blocks. A right turn here and a left turn there brought them straight to the front of the shop. It was quite intimidating for what was billed as an antique shop. On the side of the street they were standing, the shop loomed overhead with a two-story design. Connected to the back, seemed to be a house. The roof rose up over their heads with two pieces slightly slanted against one another. There were a couple of lights on in the shop, just enough to see inside, and enough for sure to look even creepier in the full moonlight. The two of them peeked through the window looking for anything that stood out to them. Shapes and muted colors stared back at them, some looking darker than others where the lights did not touch. Randy tested the front door, which was both locked and quite sturdy. He turned to Joel, expecting him to hand over the glass cutting tools, but Joel stood there staring. In their hurry to escape the pawn shop, they had left their tools. A feeling of fury started to overtake Randy until he saw Joel disappear, then, after a few moments, reappear from the side of the shop. Randy walked to him, and Joel pointed out the rusted grate just a few feet up from where they stood there was a brief moment of contemplation before Randy spotted the dumpster nearby. With some effort and caution, they somehow managed to move it right below the grating with as little noise as possible. The grate was large, leading into a duct system that crossed around the shop and likely into the house as well. It came off without much resistance, breaking in half in Joel's hands. They found it lucky that they were on top of a dumpster and let the pieces fall in on top of the trash. Joel hopped inside, with Randy following shortly after. Unlike the grate, the duct was nice and clean. It was tight, but large enough to accommodate them. They'd gone a few feet before coming to another grate that hung above the shop floor. Before Randy could say anything, Joel stomped it hard with his boot, knocking it out and down to the floor with an audible clatter. The pair dropped through the hole and onto the shop floor. Randy was about to reprimand Joel for his carelessness, but as he looked around, he was awed by the pieces sitting around them on the shelves. To their immediate left and right were various vases of ornate design. Even the smallest ones had intricate golden patterns, jewels, and other assorted riches. Further down the aisle, they could make out assorted masks up on the wall. Below them were statues, some with clocks in them, others holding gems and jewels. The sheer wealth around them was almost overwhelming. Randy and Joel wandered around the store in a sort of daze. It was almost impossible, at first glance, to even decide where to begin with what they should take with them. Joel made his way around to the front where the register was to check it for money, while Randy hovered near the statues. He ran his hand along a crystal dragon blood-red rubies for eyes. Next to that was a figure of oblong sets of arches connected to one another with gold. In the center, held aloft by two small hands of obsidian, was a brilliant sapphire orb. As he reached out for it, the lights overhead flashed on. Randy and Joel shielded their eyes against the sudden blast of light and looked around. At the back of the shop was a small set of stairs leading up to a door, in which stood an old man. When their sight finally adjusted, Randy held back a gasp. It was the old man they had robbed on the street hours before. Joel had come up behind him, and seeing Randy's face, gave him a strange look. I thought he was just a customer or something, Randy said quietly, feeling somewhat embarrassed by his assumption. The old man descended the stairs, locking eyes with Randy the whole time. Well... He said in a voice that sounded like it carried lifetimes of knowledge and experience. I am quite surprised to have customers this late. Have you gentlemen found what you are looking for? Randy and Joel exchanged confused glances and looked back to the old man. He walked up to the two of them and looked each up and down. Randy watched his face, looking for signs he recognized them. There were none as far as he could tell, though. We're looking for something of great value. "'Something that one could not do without?' "'Randy spat out. "'Why did he feel so uneasy around this old man? "'He seemed kind and friendly enough, "'but there was a feeling in the air about him "'that Randy could not pin down. "'Everything here looks pretty pricey and all, "'but I'm not exactly... "'The old man laid a hand gently on his shoulder and laughed. "'But of course, we carry a large assortment of items.' some that would seem quite normal but hide great secrets. Their value ranges wildly, and some may mean more to you than others. He gestured around. You both seem like people who don't like to sit around. Tell me. He looked deep into Randy's eyes. Where do you intend to go? Randy stood for a moment, unsure what the question meant. The old man saw the confusion on his face and laughed again. Why, you must have a goal. In life? He smiled at Randy as he said it. Oh, uh, Randy stammered. We're trying to... We want a better life. He couldn't help himself. It was that same feeling when he attacked him on the street. But now there was something more. A compulsion to answer him. The old man's smile grew brighter, and he led Randy over to a shelf full of statues. All the fight and bravado was utterly drained out of Randy, and he allowed himself to be led. The old man turned to a particular statue and placed it into Randy's hands. The moment the statue touched his palms, a stinging sensation flowed through him and was gone just as quickly. He looked down at it. It was an eerie-looking thing, a shape with claws carved out of dark obsidian. In the eyes glowed two red rubies. The face they sat in was almost cat-like, coming to a hard point at the chin. Randy turned the statue around, and on the back was carved very crude-looking wings. At the tips of each finger were caps of platinum. Turning it back to the front, he saw the claws, also tipped with platinum. The base of the statue held odd patterns on it, with diamond chips in the middle of diamond etchings, spaced an inch apart. This is a particularly special piece, with a value that's hard to estimate, said the old man. It is said to be the link between our world and one of that particular beast you see carved into it. When you hold it, the beast takes notice. It will search your soul, and if it finds you to be of good heart, it will reward you. Then the old man's voice grew grave. But if you are of cold or evil heart, it will take yours. Randy felt a shudder overtake him unwillingly, and he looked at the old man. You're not going to just let us take this, are you? How could he ask the old man such a question? The old man laughed again. You wish for a better life. Everyone deserves a chance. He patted Randy on the shoulder and ushered them to the front door and out of the shop. As they walked away, the old man left them with a wry smile, and what he said chilled Randy's blood even those who'd attack an old man. Quickly leaving the shop, they stepped back out onto the street. Randy stopped and thought for a moment. He'd read enough horror stories to assume what might happen next. He motioned to Joel, and they turned around. Sure enough, the shop was still there. They sat on the subway train leading back to their home. The mood grave despite their receiving what they needed. It was around 2 a.m., and Randy assumed now would be a terrible time to contact the crew. He gave a shudder as he imagined what they'd do if he woke them. The statue started to feel heavy in his hands, so he passed it over to Joel. The moment the statue touched his hands, the look on his face matched how Randy had felt the first time he touched it. They gave each other worried and wearied expressions. They got off the train and headed back home. Once inside, Joel placed the strange statue on the table. Randy, right behind him, sat down in front of it. He could not seem to take his gaze off of it, despite feeling a sense of repulsion about it. Joel tried to get his attention, but Randy was off in another world, it seemed. Giving an annoyed grunt, Joel slammed open the door and went for a walk. He had lived in this neighborhood for years, having moved in with Randy after they both barely graduated high school. He knew these streets well, but tonight, they looked different. The silvery moonlight bathed everything it touched in an unearthly glow, and the many alleyways dotting the street looked imposing and dangerous. While normally stoic and leveled, Joel felt a deep unease penetrating right into his core. He turned right onto a side street and pressed further into the heart of the neighborhood. He'd only gone a few blocks before a new sensation fell over him. He felt like he was being watched. The hairs on his neck stood on end, and he thought he heard the sound of wings flapping in the distance. It wasn't the sound of bats, he was sure. He'd heard them plenty of times, and it certainly wasn't any pigeons. They had long since gone to sleep. For a moment the noise stopped and joel brushed it off as just his imagination he took another step and the flapping continued he stopped and it stopped an alleyway opened up to his right and he quickly ducked into it the flapping seemingly getting closer with every step he ducked behind a dumpster and waited the flapping was close now almost right on him peeking around the dumpster he looked out of the alley waiting for whatever it was that was following him. There was nothing out there, so he looked around the alley. The alley lay almost bare, save for fencing, dumpsters, and trash scattered around. A few moments passed, and Joel slunk out from behind the dumpster. Hitting the side street again, he turned left to head back to the house. Suddenly, the flapping returned and intensified around him. He bolted. One moment his feet were rushing along the pavement. In another, his feet touched nothing. He felt something sharp in his chest, and the last thing he heard was a soul-twisting screech. Randy suddenly snapped out of his daze, staring at the statue. As he came to, he realized his phone was buzzing. Pulling it out of his pocket, he was surprised to see a message from the crew. Do you have something for us? His fingers sprung upon the digital keyboard. Yes, we have it at 1317 Mallory Avenue. We can bring it at any time, he texted back. Minutes passed and the response came in. We're nearby. We will come retrieve it. Randy breathed a sigh of relief and relaxed. It was then that he noticed Joel was nowhere around. He looked in every room and even stepped out the front door to check. As he stood in the doorway, he listened to the sounds of the night. In the far distance was the rush of cars. If he listened carefully, he could hear the hum of the street lamp just a few steps away. Then there was the occasional fluttering of bat wings. As he listened to the latter, though, something felt wrong. He heard a flapping amidst the fluttering that sounded like nothing he had heard before. A strange sensation started to take over Randy. It was as if someone or something was watching him. The flapping grew louder and louder until he was certain all he could hear was the awful noise. It was like old leather being stretched and pushed together. Covering his ears, he ducked back inside the house, slamming the door. Randy leaned against it, breathing heavily. He'd only been standing there, but it felt like he'd run two miles. Terror sunk into him, and he tried to shake it off. After all, there was no one around. As he caught his breath, he became aware of a sound behind him. It was a low, steady breath. Assuming it was Joel, he turned around to face him. Standing in a hunched position, a creature of pure black stared at him with piercing red eyes. Randy looked to his left. The statue sat facing him. The creature looked exactly like it. The creature pressed closer, forcing Randy to back up into the door. It was quickly upon him and began to sniff him up and down. Its breath smelt like fire. It made a low hiss as it passed over his chest. Randy held his breath for what felt like hours as the creature scanned him. Finally... It pulled back, and Randy relaxed briefly. Creature stared at him long and hard. In a flash, its hand was deep within Randy's chest. He barely had a chance to say anything before the creature retracted its arm. Randy's eyes felt heavy, and he slumped forward. Five people walked up to the entrance to the address Randy had sent them. The smallest of them in front reached out and tried the doorknob. The door was unlocked, but only opened a little before it was jammed on something. One of the crew peeked through the crack in the door. There was a body in front of it. They slammed the door hard, making the body jolt forward across the floor. All five of them stepped inside. They looked over the room, and all they saw was Randy's body lying in a pool of blood. But, if they had listened carefully, they would have heard the sound. Flapping wings. Thank you for joining me in sharing these nights of terror. We'll be back next month with more spine chilling tales. I look forward to seeing you again around the campfire. Sweet dreams.